Hello, BookThinkers family, and welcome to our personal development podcast, BookThinkers Life-Changing Books. During each episode, we interview one of the world's top authors, and as a listener, you can expect to discover new books, new mentors, and new resources that you can use to achieve more and live better. In today's episode, we have the pleasure to interview Noah Kagan, author of Million Dollar Weekend. Noah is the CEO of AppSumo, an entrepreneur, YouTuber with over 1 million subscribers. He worked for Intel and then moved on to be the 30th employee at Facebook and number four at Mint.com. He wants to help you start a business and live your best life. On his channels, he talks to millionaires and billionaires and shares lessons on how to start a business, grow a business, improve your marketing, and more. When you have the chance, go check it out. In this episode, you'll learn about why you should be an entrepreneur, the importance of knowing your freedom number, the 52 chances you have throughout the year to create the life of your dreams, why you don't have to be creative to start a business, and much, much more. If you've been wanting to start a business, this is the sign to do it. Now get ready to learn and enjoy this incredible conversation with... Noah Kagan. How is Noah Kagan? Noah Kagan's great. Life is wild. Like we woke up at 5 a.m. to fly out to Rhode Island to interview someone we met on the streets. And now we're at your house in Taunton, in Massachusetts. <laughs> How often are you in Massachusetts? I don't know. Oh, actually last time we were here was when we got on a private jet. And I've never been on a private jet. What's it like? It's, um, it's hard to fly coach. It's really hard to go back. If you have the ability to do it and carbon offset or whatever, I don't. that doesn't matter as much to me. But if you have the ability to do it, you'd never want to go back. Just like the speed of it and the convenience. And like, I was talking with uh, Dan Martell, buy back your time. And he's like, it's $2,000 an hour. I don't have to wait at the airport. I can leave when I want. I can sleep in. And as I've become wealthier and as I'm closer to death, frankly, and I have more money, it's really become more important in my time. And so it's starting to be like, all right, for $2,000 an hour, yeah, I'll probably start doing more private flights. But the thing I was referring to specifically is me and Isaac, the videographer, stood outside a private airport in Austin, Texas to try to find out what these people do for a living and then get a flight with them. And we did, and he flew to Boston. And then we had to catch a flight uh, at 9 p.m. back from getting here. It's amazing. Dan's book is above your head back there, by the way. So that's funny. But yeah, life is a wild man. Flying out here for some interviews. AppSumo stuff is going really well. I have a book coming out pretty soon. Um, girlfriend in Spain, I'm trying to make happy and do my best. So life is, life is good. Life is very good. Can I tell you the worst plane story about coach versus first class that happened to me recently? So check this out. I was in the second exit row back in a bigger plane. So I was kind of far from the front. And I get a notification on my device, you've been upgraded to first class. Somebody comes over and they get me. Mr. Hutchison, you've been upgraded, so I grab my bag out of the overhead, I walk all the way up, I sit down, I'm comfortable. You know, I take a book out, I start to relax. They come back over to me and they say, hey, I'm sorry, this never happens, but the person ran up to the gate, we had the door closed, but we're gonna let them back in, and they're in your seat. So I had the walk of shame on a plane, <laughs> and I was previously excited about my extra leg room, like, seat in the back. Now all of a sudden, it's the worst thing ever. So that's how fast, like, yeah, it's how fast your expectations can change. I think what's interesting though is you can actually live a rich life really cheap. And I've lived cheap for so long, so we we're talking about like money can't buy happiness and I was not happy, and I, even though I was making really, really good money. But even if you don't have a lot of money, 
uh, two things like for private jet in Austin, there's GSX.com. You know mm-hmm. about this? I've heard, I think so. $200 you can fly private. So you can fly from Austin to Dallas, Dallas to LA, Dallas to Miami. And it's a few hundred dollars so you can experience it. And I think what you should figure out in life, no matter your age, is do these fancy ass things and see if it matters to you. Or you can use Turo.com. Mm-hmm. I was in LA and for $225, I rented a Lambo. And I was like, okay, first off, I don't like driving Lambos. Like that's, <laughs> I have a 2004 Miata, okay? Yeah. And then I, I did, I'm flexing, I got a new Vespa. It's like, uh, but I, I pulled it up to the, the valet uh, in LA, it was at, uh, it's like not Mozart's, but something like that. He's like, damn dude, what do you do for a living? I'm like, bro, it's a rental, right? It's $200. <laughs> but uh, the point being is that you can try these different rich life things out now and see which ones actually make a difference in your life and then decide, hey, I wanna have a dream of flying private. And so my dream is by 50 to almost always fly private if I can. Well, so off camera a few minutes ago, we were talking about that sign, money doesn't buy happiness. You said it can, and there are a few things that you've spent money on that have created a little bit of happiness. So what are some examples? Money buys happiness. Just money? Money buys happiness. And so for me, I lived so cheap and I never spent any of the money. I was making millions of dollars a year living in an 800 square foot house with cracks in the walls, cracks in the floor, cockroaches. I at times would have a gun on my couch because I thought people were going to break in. Oh, wow. I was just kind of like, and I was like, and when COVID happened, I said, let's just try something different. And so I think a lot of times what's the catalyst and you know, the book million dollar weekend catalyst is you don't have a lot of time, but you can change your life in 48 hours and that's a catalyst. And so COVID, I tried living in fancy houses. So I rented a Malibu beach house, $20,000. I've never spent 20,000. I was like, I'm never going back. <laughs> I'm never going back. You know, I've opened the, the blinds and I'm looking out on the Malibu beach and I was like, okay, there is a level where if I can afford this, which I could, and I could finally treat myself to spending some of this money. Um, every day I wake up in my house, it inspires me. So I have, I have a two and a half million dollar house. And frankly, it's 10,000, it's about 10 to $12,000 a month. It's not that much. But I will tell you, it elevates my game, it elevates my work, and oh, honestly, at the end of the day, it elevates my life. And I am extremely happy, but there's other pieces, and I think that's where, when people say money can't buy happiness, it's because you're buying things that don't make you happy. I don't have a Ferrari, I don't have a Lambo. I have a Rolex collection. It literally makes me kind of annoyed. I'm just like, what did you, and I buy, I buy them to commemorate moments. And it's just like, they're just sitting. They're just sitting, not doing anything where like, this is a $200 watch. Or I have a $15,000 bike. I kid you not, I just go in the garage and look at it. And I'm just like, it's, its name is Chili. And I'm just like, oh, look at you. <laughs> but that gives me the happiness. Like, you you. I know, <laughs> oh, no, I, I, you have to clean the chain. Yeah. But I think the thing for people to understand, it's not, um, it's not how much you have, it's what's the things that you actually want and how much is that. And it's not a bad thing. I think growing up Jewish, it's like, oh, spending money is bad, making money is good. And so it's like figuring out your money relationship. Yeah, it's a, it's a conversation I've had with my wife quite a bit recently. She grew up Jewish, still is Jewish. And uh, so yeah, there is a little bit of that mindset. But uh, I think the subject of money is an interesting thing to kick off this podcast with because a lot of people have a scarcity mindset around starting a business. And something you say early in this book, Million Dollar Weekend, is that really the first goal is to go from zero to one dollar. And you have this one dollar challenge. Could you tell everybody a little bit about that? Yeah. What happens with most people as they're having a dream, and, and I think people think, I, I need to get a million, right? That's the number. Where did that million come from even? And that million yeah. thought stops you from the one. Mm. And there's been people 
there's a guy named Dieter, where you go and ask someone for a dollar, there's a guy named Felipe Rubio, and he asked a friend, said, hey, can you just give me a dollar and believe in me? And that's what the dollar challenge is. And there's other examples in the book, but that is one of them where he's like, oh, this is it? This is the feeling of someone actually gave me something that gives me validation of what I can do? And so when you're getting businesses going, uh, the idea in general is how do you build up your ask muscle? Because really it is like with book thinkers, you're asking an author, I would like you to give me some money for a delivery of value. And the more that you can build up that practice, the more you can get comfortable with it, the more you're like, wow, what else can I do in creating businesses and getting eventually to a million, but really it just starts with one. And so I would encourage anyone out there, just get on your phone, Instagram, Venmo, PayPal, text message, whatever it is. And I think you'll be surprised how it makes you feel when you actually finally get that first dollar. And I think you have a template in the book that people can use. So if they don't have the language themselves, they can just use your kind of pre-scripted template to go ask friends for money. I try to make that there's no excuses possible. It's literally like just copy and paste. And if you go to million dollar weekend slash book thinkers, there's all the templates that people can go get exactly uh, that are going to be in the book and the resource is totally free. Yeah. And so for me, it's more how do, as I've built my own businesses, right? So AppSumo.com is going to do around $70 million this year. And I've done this many, many times. And then I've had courses that have helped tens of thousands of people. So I've, I've seen how to create a business. I've worked directly from Mark Zuckerberg. Like I've done this a lot of times for many, many years. And what's fascinating though, is that the reason I believe asking and starting are the biggest blocks in business is that how is there so many content on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok, but all this business content is fiction because it's not getting the results. And how the fuck do people not have businesses if there's so much out there? And is that they have these blocks that they just need to overcome. And once they overcome it, the business stuff is like, what do you really need? You need to eat some food. You have, you need your lawn done. You need clothing done. You need cleaning done. That stuff becomes easy once you can build up the asking and the starting things that people get held back on. Yeah, I, we met last week, right? <laughs> <Not> <laughs> maybe, maybe we met on Zoom for the first time and had a conversation last week. Now you're at my house. And uh, when we were having that initial conversation, I think what allowed me to build so much rapport with you right off the bat is we both care about action. Everything happens when you start to take action. And so you're right. So many of these business books, they inspire people, they motivate people, but they don't get them across that action threshold where results start to happen. So when you were writing this book, did you have that in your mind? Like, how can I help people take better action? Yeah. So for example, there's a guy named Tom Grow, and what we're doing, what we've done with the book to basically battle test it. Besides I've started so many different companies that have failed and I've done a lot of companies that have succeeded that you guys can go to appsumo.com or tidycal.com or sendfox.com and these different businesses. What I did is as I was writing the book, we basically beta test the chapters. Mm -hmm. So I want to basically make sure that, yes, it works for me, but is it going to work for the reader? Because I've read a lot of these books and I'm like, okay, okay, more fiction, more fiction. I want a nonfiction. Yeah. I want something that's going to be true. And so each chapter had 10 beta readers that went through all the challenges. Then now every single weekend for the past three months and for the next six months, I have five people every single weekend going through the book. And so the transformations uh, of people actually reading the material, it's been phenomenal to see. Uh, and so there's a guy, Felipe Rubio, he sent me a voice memo recently crying. Oh, it's kind of rude for me. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> but the fact that he's been wanting, he's a developer, he's from Brazil, and he's been wanting to get a business going. And so from building confidence, from getting momentum, from getting the dollar and taking action, now the steps are easy. And so he's building a business now. He's already got some customers helping developers in Brazil get American paying jobs. And those people are paying him money to be able to do that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so that's something that 
he has been thinking about doing it. He's been talking to his friends about doing it. He's been psyching himself out about doing it. But a lot in the book, and even for my own self, it's like, what's my dream? Is it a private jet? Is it just groceries on a weekend? Is it just having groceries? Like, I should be able to have groceries. Or, you know, maybe like your friend Derek, is it a creative outlet or something you're just excited to do? And so I think someone with this book is like, all right, we're going to help you make sure it's going to work. All you have to do is the work. But the exact steps for your mind and the exact actions to get to your dreams are right in there. I was just consulting my notebook because I was like, you have this number. What was it called? It's called the freedom number. So the freedom number is the realistic number that you need to survive on a monthly basis. Is that essentially what it is? The freedom number is the dream. Oh, it's the dream. Okay. Yeah. The, the freedom number is that some people think, oh man, I want to have a million dollars. And I think what that does is it stops you from today. Mm. And if you can figure out what is the minimum amount of money I need to be making so that I don't have to report to anybody. And that was my number, $3,000. It was $1,000 to live, $1,000 for food, and $1,000 to invest. And I was like, if I can just figure out how to get that and keep my cost of living very low, I don't have to have a day job. I worked at Intel in a cubicle. Like there's, the distance between me and the people out there who want to be where I am is actually much closer than they think. Mm. And so the reality is, is that if you can have a very low cost of living, if you can have your freedom number, and guess what? I've had free, people's freedom number 20,000. I was like, wow, dude, you have a good life. Or I've had people with less, that's maybe even $100. Because they don't need 3,000. They're like, I just wanna have something that's a creative outlet. So Jennifer Hudson sells cookies. Her and her husband are in Dallas, Texas, and they just wanted to have a little bit more extra money. So she posted on Facebook each week, I got cookies. Mm. And she got cookies. And so I think if you can figure out how to keep your cost of living low, think of what your dream is, and all right, if I can get my freedom number to whatever that is for yourself, that, that is your number, then you're able to actually take more risk and have more fun. You're like, all right, well, I can get to this number. Huh, what else? How much further can I go with it? And I, I do think people create unrealistic dreams or unrealistic goals that they're never able to attain. And so with me, for $3,000, I got to that with AppSumo pretty much within the first month. And then now, you know, 13 years later, it's $65, 70000000 million plus revenue business. Well, I was telling you before that my audience is primarily young entrepreneurial people, right? They're aspiring entrepreneurs. They want to start this first business, or maybe they're in the middle of that journey. They're a small business owner. And so I do think this book is perfect for those types of people because how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You have to start going from $0 to $1, and then from there you continue to build up. You find your freedom number, you set realistic expectations, you build the ask muscle, and you start to execute, right? And so I think that your book is perfect for that person. And um, you know, I wanted to give a little bit of context on my journey. I think the only reason I jumped into entrepreneurship when I did was because I was blissfully ignorant. I thought I could generate a million dollars tomorrow, and so let's go all in on a business, right? And it didn't happen. And what I've noticed with my friends now that most of us are in our late 20s, early 30s, is that people have more responsibility. They have wives, they have kids, partners, a full-time job that they now enjoy a little bit and so they don't want to take on additional risk because they think that business that they want to start it takes a million dollars to get there whatever the case is so I'm really happy that you're talking about what you're talking about because it's realistic action it's how do you take the next couple of steps and build a little bit of momentum I think risky risky to me would be staying at Intel risky to me would be being 45 or being 35 or being 25 and being like is this what it's going to be like? Yeah. That seems risky to me. And the reason that I've tested this book, the reason I've had success with the book, the reason you can see my businesses, is that everyone has a weekend free. Everyone has 52 chances 
to change their life. Oof. There's, that's it. That's it. And if you have a wife or if you have a husband, if you have a kid, if you have, it's very tough to make time, but you have a weekend. Mm. And what can you get done in a weekend? And what can that be in 30 days? What could that be in 12 months? And you've been doing Book Thinkers how long now? Seven years, six years. Seven years. And you said you had your biggest month ever? Mm-hmm. So that builds to a million, and that builds to what could be 10 million, it could be 70 million, it could be hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But the point is that you have to get started, as me and you both similarly do, now. Yeah, it seems like, you mentioned this earlier, it seems like you think a little bit about how we only have a limited time on this planet, and so you might make the most out of your time, <laughs> right? So uh, I have a tattoo on my chest that says Memento Mori, remember your own mortality. And I think about that constantly because death, like the reminder that we are going to die at some point encourages me to make the most out of the time that I have now. Like it encourages bigger, better action. Because like you said, I don't want to live a life full of regret. And I think most people wish that they started the business, right? Like five years ago, eight years ago, 10 years ago. But the next best time is now. And that's sort of the message here. You write the book here. Let's just change the name. It'll be Noah Kagan <laughs> with Nick. We'll yes. just be called co author the next one. But I think the, the thing that people get wrong is that there's a low-hanging fruit where you don't have to spend a lot of time and you don't have to, lot, you don't have to spend a lot of money. Mm. But I think that's a huge misconception that 99% of people get wrong. Like, guess what? You literally can go on YouTube or Instagram or any of these platforms for free and get an audience. For free. It's yeah. my favorite price. Right, and then you can actually turn that audience and those interested fans into customers one day in any different types of industries. There's a, uh, a buddy of mine in San Diego, he runs a gardening site, makes millions of dollars. He's the mm. number one gardening YouTuber. Oh man, which is like it's cool gardening, right? My mom gardens and make anything, but th- and that's okay, it doesn't have to be a business, but for him, it is. And he's able to actually, his name is Kevin, uh, turn his interest, which can be in a lot of different areas, it doesn't have to just be tech. So, if you've seen our YouTube channel, uh, we, we just met a guy, he, runs, he owns oil tankers. Or I just met other people who've done commercial insurance. So the variety of things to actually, how you wanna spend your time is really just up to you. So it's, if you're interested in books and making that your life, that's awesome. Or Isaac is music, uh, Derek is music, or Isaac is videography. For me, it's promotion. I just found that, and this is an easy uh, trick, I don't know like tricks, easy tip. For anyone out there, just think about what you like doing for free. And I'm blogging and tweeting and emailing and promoting things for free since 2000. Mm. Since 2000, I love it. And I'm gonna do it for the next 23 years. And so it's like, all right, there's some pattern in that I'm doing for free. What are ways this weekend with little time, with little money that I can see if there's businesses around what I'm interested in? Do you think people get caught up in the buzzwords of purpose or passion a little bit too much? Or is what you're saying, your purpose and your passion is what you're doing for free? I think that's an easy way of identifying it. There's other ways that I have in the book for you to help figure out what kind of business you'd be suited for. When I was 25, I was in Argentina with Tim Ferriss and I was building Facebook games. And I remember being in the middle of the street and it's like very romantic, you can cue the music. And I was just like, what's the meaning of life? (laughs) And I was like, I'm like waiting for the answer. You know, in the movie they have the answer. And then in there, in the street alone, it was, there is none, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I have found in finally many years of, of practice and therapy and all my own evolution, two ways that have changed my perspective on meaning. And number one is hard work. It's hard work. Yeah. And the hardest, the harder the work, the more meaningful it feels. Period. 
And I think the second part of it is finding work that actually matters to you. So do something hard that actually matters to you. And for me, making YouTube content, putting this book together, meeting people like you, like I was 10 p.m. at night or almost 10 p.m. <laughs> I'm fucking juiced. Yeah. Like, like I'm very, this, like, this gives me life, right? And then we're gonna go uh, promote more people and then I get to go do promoting software on AppSumo.com. And so it's finding the thing that actually gives you the energy. There's a phenomenal book is it on the shelf? Power of Full Engagement? From no, Schwartz? but it will be. Now I'll that you're making a recommendation. I'll get it for you. Okay. But highly recommend. And that book is just the same concept, which is where are you getting energy from? Right? And so for me, the, the, I found it through this. And so just be mindful in your days and your activities, especially when you're younger. You have all this free time to go and explore that stuff. Funny enough, I, I have a young guy on my team. He was here this morning, and he was talking about taking his first solo travel trip. And I told him that after reading the four-hour work week, I went to Buenos Aires by myself for five weeks. Ooh. I didn't know anybody in South America. I didn't speak Spanish, but I went. And I sort of had some of those similar moments where I was just like, this is beautiful. This is amazing. And I didn't find the answer immediately, but I knew I was on to something. And the something for me at the time was actually freedom to make my own decisions and to live a life like embracing difficulty and exploring and like, Curiosity; those are the things that you know that matter to me. I was employed at a full-time job at the time, but I just went to Argentina, and so it's cool that you mentioned that. Well, well two things for you that I think your audience can, can learn from is what was your freedom number? Because mm -hmm. everyone has one. What was it when you were getting going? Like, oh man, if I could just make this number, like I can go move and do one full thing full time, which you did. And then secondly, I am curious for you, how did you get going? Because what you're sharing before we got on camera and podcast world was how you approached it, which is very similar to the playbook that. That I recommend for people. So Derek, Derek and I have had a lot of these long conversations. He's gonna laugh at me because I lived on one end of the extreme and he lived on the other. His was frugality for a while. Mine was crazy spending. So what's different about my story is right out of school, I took a job, full-time job in a software company. rose through the ranks. I was making six figures right out of school, and so as a result, I built a lifestyle that sort of cost eight to ten thousand dollars a month. And so when, Dude, when, I yeah. started, when I started to build my freedom number and look at those numbers, it was not something that I could realistically develop within book thinkers at the time uh, immediately. So my story was a little bit different. Now, in hindsight, I, I spent a little recklessly. I definitely could have been more frugal, but my freedom number, it made it harder to transition into the business full time. It really mm. did. And... Um, you know, the original version of Book Thinkers, like I was describing, was a mobile application for people to retain and implement more from the books they were reading. And Derek and I, plus one of our other friends, Alec, we spent tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of hours of our time, and it didn't work. So when I decided to continue with the business, the first successful form of monetization came when authors started to reach out to me and say, hey, Nick, your audience is a good fit for my book. I'd love to pay you for a book review. See, we had built this audience in anticipation of an app release. <laughs> the app never really successfully came out, but authors started to find value in my audience. And so that's how the business started to build. And each time I'd finish one of those engagements, I'd ask our author clients, hey, is there anything else that I can help with? Because one day I want this to be my full-time thing. So I wish I had read this, really I do, earlier in that journey because I never thought about a freedom number. I just built this lifestyle that required too much money. And so it took me, I think, longer to transition into the business than it would have if I was more cognizant. 
Yeah, because yeah, when you have your freedom number, then you're like, oh, if I can get that, guess what? That's how you can actually get that freedom number 100x if you really want to grow it. Because you're not pressured once you have enough money to be free, which is what 99% of people want. I, we literally just met a guy, I don't know if he's nine figures worth, might be higher. And he's like, yeah, I just want freedom. And so it's a very universal thing. And I think the other thing that you did that I really like, there's, there's two pieces of it, is that it's not risky. You didn't go and quit your job in like Silicon Valley, which I don't recommend. That's why I left for Texas. Mm -hmm. You said, all right, I have a day job, I'm making six figures, but this is not my dream. My dream is to have something of myself. And so you're like, all right, let me start stuff on the side until I can eventually get that going. I think the second thing you did, which is more of a mindset shift, is that when we start businesses, people are so afraid of different things and they don't realize they're afraid. They're like, no, oh, bro, I'm tough. You know, I'm tough. They don't think about it that way. But if you only just think of yourself as an experimenter and something uh, I talk about more extensively and give examples and, and challenges, a lot of the book is challenge-based and activities. That's, that's the way I learn. Is that when you experiment, what happens? You fail. And if you can just learn the behaviors, if you can learn the templates, then as long as you're experimenting, you're like, yeah, of course it's gonna fail. And eventually, just like you did, it led you to eventually get to the outcome. You're like, all right, well, this isn't working, but this thing is. And I've done that so many times with AppSumo. I've done it with my other companies that I've started that eventually have led to seven and eight figure businesses. Yeah, you're highlighting something that my audience has heard me talk about a few times, but repetition leads to retention, right? Mm. When I was growing up, I was taught in the public education system that failure was a bad thing. But I think once you start your own business, you realize failure leads to progress and failure is actually a good thing. It's just part of the process. And so when you talk about optimizing for rejection and, uh, or, or you know, seeking rejection and strengthening your ask muscles, that's what you're looking for. You're getting used to it. And through repetition, you'll become desensitized to failure and it will start to look more like opportunity. So I love that you're highlighting that. I mean, two stories for me would be, I would say there's a guy, Jason Blake, and we have some challenges in there. And when you get rejected and you realize you're alive, you realize how much stronger you actually are than you think. Mm. And it's like, oh, how much further can I go? Yeah. How much else can I do? And I just remember being a kid and my dad would do it. We'd go to like a garage sale and someone else was buying something. He's like, I'll pay, I'll pay double what that person wants. And I was like, are you really going to do this? And he's like, what's the worst that's going to happen? They say, yeah, I get it. And I say, no, it's fine. We move on. And he would go door to door selling copiers, doing the same thing, like, hey, you wanna buy a copier? And I remember being eight years old, just kind of being so embarrassed. And then now, you know, 41, that's what I do. <laughs> now I'm 41, you know, when I was in the airport today, I, I was going through the checkout line, I still push myself, it's not a superpower, it's accessible. Like if you wanna get, if you wanna have a business, if you wanna have a dream, if you wanna have your own money and be able to scale it to unlimited amounts, it's just practicing asking. So we're at the airport, I just went, went up to the counter, I said, uh, my partner and my friend who's with me, can you just come in board at the same time with me? And they're like, sure. So you, you'd be, the downside of it is a moment of uncomfortableness. The upside is your dreams. And the upside is a lot of, like us flying here today to an island and going on a sailboat with a, you know, a nine figure, 10 figure person who taught us about the life. Hello, Bookthinkers family. A quick word from today's podcast sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, business, and my favorite, personal development. And as part of Audible's partnership with us, we're actually offering listeners a free 30-day trial. This trial includes one credit, good for any premium selection titles you'd like on the whole platform. So that's pretty much any book, including the one we're talking about today. That book is yours to keep even after the trial is over. 
Now, this trial also includes access to Audible's plus catalog of podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness programs, and Audible originals. You can listen all you want, no credits needed. Now, everyone on the BookThinkers Instagram knows that I love physical paper books. There's nothing better than having a book in your hand, scribbling notes everywhere in the margins. I kind of tear those things up. But I've been completing an additional 20 to 30 books every single year using Audible by listening when I'm in the car, doing chores around the house, or while I'm on my morning walks or runs. You could take advantage of this free trial by clicking the link in today's show notes or going to www.bookthinkers.com slash audible trial. You will not regret it. Now back to today's episode. So speaking about the airport experience, in the book you talk about asking for 10% off next time you order coffee and that's actually something that I practiced for a while. So I'd go out for wings with my buddies and I'd ask the hostess or the waitress at the end, can I get 10% off my order? And then you just have to shut up, right? That's the experiment. Yes, exactly. And I've had more success than you can imagine asking for discounts on virtually everything that I've ever purchased. And so yeah, it's, it's you have to get over the fear of asking, but you'll also be, like you were today, pleasantly surprised with the results, like getting to board early or whatever the case is. I think there's there's different components because people have dreams and people watch you and they'll be like, I want to do book thinkers, but it, it's, and they, they watch this stuff online, but they're not, it's not happening still. So there's still some disconnect that needs to be worked on so they can get to their dreams. And so that's a lot of the exact things that I was surprised about. I thought, hey, let me just teach you exactly how I built multiple seven, eight figure companies, but there's still some other parts that no other book has really covered. So for yourself with this, this asking part, which is a, a core component of it, what did you learn about yourself as you've done these asks? Well, I did door-to-door sales for a long time. <laughs> I did, I did. I ran my own house painting business in college for two summers. Hired a bunch of buddies, went door-to-door, sold these jobs, and I overcame the fear of rejection. And like you talk about in the book, I learned that it's part of the process and that it can be fun. And when you view it as fun, it is fun, right? Perception is, is reality. And so by the time that I started doing these fun asks and, and putting my friends and stuff through the the experiment of asking for 10% off your coffee or, you know, asking for 10% off wings or something like that. Yeah, you realize that people are just people. The person that you're asking is just a person. They want to be helpful. Typically, they'll be like, I don't know. Uh, nobody's ever asked me that before. And then they'll ask their supervisor, can you have 10% off? And they'll be like, sure, why, why would I care? You know, so people are just people. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've realized. You know, if you're knocking on doors or you're asking for a discount, you're just interacting with another human being and it's probably the first time that they've ever been asked the question you're asking them. Yeah, I mean, business at the end of the day is an ask. Yeah. Period. You're asking someone else for something else in exchange. Mm-hmm. And the more that you can get stronger at that, the more, you, as you exactly said, hey, I've put in the reps. It's not something that Nick and Noah have that I can't get. Everyone else can get it too. You just have to go, go and do it. Do you think that everybody is a good fit for starting a business? I mean, do you think everybody listening and watching today should try their hand at entrepreneurship? Yes. Yeah? Yes. I've asked that question a few times and people say no. I don't think everybody should. Why do you say yes? You'll learn more about yourself than anyone else. What I would say is that you need to learn yourself before any of this. So if you know yourself and you're like, I've met a lot of people. There's a guy named Rick, worked with me at Intel, drove a minivan, loved it. And I was like, dude, Intel sucks. I hate it. I literally would sleep at the desk. I, I, I would put my chair in front of my cubicle and I'd have a sleeping bag and a pillow and then I would just sleep like probably about half the day, sometimes longer. 
Oh, wow. And I would just, and I would, dude, I got a raises there. I was like doing really well, right? So just imagining it. And so Rick, it worked for his life. And Rick was actually smarter than me. Rick was actually, we'd be in meetings. And I'm like, this guy's much better than me. But his ambition and his dreams were different than mine. And so mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong or right. And that was like a surprising moment for me because I thought everyone wants to have their own business. But what I would say is that putting myself out there in a business, and it doesn't have to be knocking on doors, which is a, for a lot of people would be super uncomfortable. It could be just putting yourself out on a tweet. It could just yeah. be like asking, posting something even lighter. Let's go even lighter. Put something you have for sale on eBay. You don't have to even see them. <laughs> you know, let's just even go, you know. Just it's a go, good point. That is a business. That yeah. People think you have to be creative in business. You don't. You just have to find something that people actually want. Hmm. And the idea is just getting that stuff going. I think what you do is you just learn about yourself. You learn how to interact with others. So I'm guessing when you've talked to me, Nick was a, talking to me about pitching his uh, book marketing for a million dollar weekend. I was like, this guy knows how to sell. Like I, I'm like getting my like credit card. I'm like just about to Venmo. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but then that's, that's just a, it's a skill that you've learned that guess what? If you have a day job, you're going to ask for a raise. If you want to get a significant other, you're going to have to actually communicate. And I just think you develop yeah. and grow so much about yourself through entrepreneurship. I, I can't tell you how many different things I've learned about myself in leadership, I'm in meetings and I was a meeting with Nick and Sean and I have an, a reaction to something and I was like, oh, huh, maybe I should think differently about how I approach this stuff. And it's like only because I'm an entrepreneur and, I, and I'm creating something, it's developed me in just so many different facets. And I think everyone should try it. And every, not even try it, everyone should do it and see if it's something they wanna do, but regardless, they'll get some growth out of it for themselves. When you were describing all of those benefits, I was thinking that as I just went through the experience of writing my very first book, it was very similar. To starting a business i 100%. went through a lot of those same things so do you think everybody should write a book as well i mean what was your process like was it a lot of self-reflection and learning should everyone write a book or are you like no <laughs> that's fine too it's kind of like a business though isn't it it's like yeah yeah i think there's three things i've, I've noticed in books there's three key things first off anyone could write a book that's that's actually really easy it's the second thing though, it's really hard to write a great book, mm-hmm. right? And then the third part, it's actually really, really fucking hard to get people to read. Well, hold on. <laughs> what's the difference between writing a book and writing a great book? Because a lot of people put, think they have a book in them and they write a book and it's like very not, a, it's just not a good book. And what most people do backwards, and this is exactly what I teach the opposite of, is that they write the book without the audience. They write the book without the customer. So they have to think about what's the customer, the reader actually want, and that's missed out most of the time. So that's why they're writing just a good book. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh yeah, it's like, uh, it's a fiction book. And that, that applies in any category. Then writing a great book. So this book for me took three years and it took 20 years of business and working for Zuckerberg and working at mint.com, failing all these times, finally getting a, a very successful eight figure bootstrap business um, to be able to write a great book. And then mm. to write the book, it's, it's not only that, one of my strategies in, in businesses is, is hiring the elite. So for this book, I hired James Clear, proposal writer. James Clear sold over 10 million copies, just to give you an idea. Like that's pretty elite. I hired his proposal writer. It is elite, yeah. That's pretty elite. And then Tal Roz, who's written two of the best-selling business books of all time, you have them here. I do have a couple of them, yeah. Yeah, so he's written Never Split the Difference and Never Eat Alone. Yep, wherever they are. They're somewhere. somewhere. You have both of them. Yeah. Then I hired him to be my collaborator on the book. And then I've worked with some of the best-selling authors of our generation to make sure that the content is elite. Mm-hmm. And I, this is something I also do in our business. So I hired uh, the CMO of Glassdoor and Zapier to be my marketing advisor. And I have the guy who runs indeed.com 
to be our operational advisor. And there's just people across the board. And I think that's a strategy. One, you don't have to actually pay full price. You know, I love deals. And you can actually hire the people on an hourly basis. So maybe it's 500, maybe it's a thousand, but that one hour, millions. Like our advisor, Moody, I can't say is hourly, but Moody Glasgow, millions of dollars he's made for us, without a doubt. And so with the book, to get to level two, which is a great book, it took, it took three years mm -hmm. to get even to that. And that's proposal writer, James Clear, Tall Ross, beta readers for every single chapter. I had 10 beta, separate beta readers. And then now every single weekend, I have five people going through the entire book from start to finish with documents. So there's, it's not as much chance, and I don't, I don't really like hope in business. So I think about how do I stack the deck and succeeding. And then level three now is like, if you've created a great product, which a lot of people have created great products. And sometimes I walk around and I think, Every person here can have something great if they want it. But you have to ask or you have to get going. You can't just wish for it. And so I do think level three with book, books in general, though, is that are you willing to do everything possible to let people know about it? And I would say that I, it's not about working hard because no customer cares I worked hard. Mm -hmm. None of my customers give two shits if I work hard. They care if I can solve their problems. And I believe if people actually want to change their life and get a business, yeah, so this book will do it. So I'm working my ass off to make sure I tell as many people as possible. Like, yeah, I think... This is the, the book that's finally going to be nonfiction and getting businesses going. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it gets me excited. You know, I just had a chance to go through part one of the book, and we talked about how it is very actionable. It's straightforward. It's to the point. And so you can see that you put a lot of hard work into it. And you also highlighted something that I love, which is you're literally condensing decades of lived experience and lessons into days of reading. So people can have a weekend that changes their life. And that's pretty cool. I mean, there's no better form of investment or condensing time than that. Yeah. I, I personally, like, that's what was cool about your channel. I love reading. And people can say, if you just because you like eating food doesn't mean you're a good cook. But I love reading. And so it's been fun to be on the other side of that table to be like, okay, do I actually like reading this book? And it's taken three years, literally three years to get to a point where I'm like, okay, this is fucking good. Yeah. Well, listen, as Book Thinkers continues to grow and expand and diversify, differentiate from all the other book accounts, book reviewers, that type of thing, I think that the action piece, that will be my lane. I only want to talk to people that help other people take action, write their books with action as the focus. And so if somebody reads your book and they choose not to take action, yeah, it's not going to help them. But if they do choose to take action, their lives will change. So I don't want to just sit back and review books and talk to cool people. I want to talk to people that are going to help my audience take action. So if you're part of the Book Thinkers family, you're out there willing to implement these books. And I think that's what it's all about. Like, you know, and that's why it's a cool, cool opportunity to talk to you. Dude, it's, uh, it's been, it's just such a, I, I think that what you asked, should everyone be an entrepreneur? I'm in your house in Taunton. <laughs> Taunton. Taunton. <laughs> because... I was willing to take a step and I had yes. a dream. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to have a Ferrari. If that's what you want, that's great. If it's Miatas, well, Miata life. Okay, I do have a Tesla, but I love my Miata. I love that. So I drove to the airport. And so it's just being able to take that first step and get that going. And then it puts you in places that you could have never imagined. Put me on a sailboat tonight. Put me in your house. Like my best friend who I'm gonna go see tomorrow, my body to Adam Gilbert, was because I took a chance blogging, which the upside was meeting him and having literally my best friend, my guardian angel, the downside was nothing because I enjoy it. Like even if no one else read it, I was super happy about doing that. And I think for everyone out there, it doesn't matter your age. It's just like, all right, what are you curious about? Let's go explore that. 
Yeah, enjoying the passage of time. Yeah, that's what it's all <laughs> we're, about. We're on a planet. I don't know when people <laughs> miss that fucking memo, but we're we're literally in space. And yes. they're like, ah, is this person not going to like my idea? Like, you're on a planet. They're no, they don't care about you. And so let's build up muscles so that when you go do that stuff, and if they didn't care, guess what? You can keep moving forward and you're going to be fine. Well, and since you don't care about your Rolex collection and it doesn't bring you energy if you want to donate it to Taunton, Massachusetts, I know a guy who could use some. <laughs> I don't wear a watch anyway. Do you? Yeah, I think get the. For me, it's been commemorating moments. So it's almost yes. like you're. Yeah. It's probably the same as your tattoo. It is. Right? So you have a tattoo that's like, okay, this is a different story of my life. Yeah, I've been tattooed in 15 different countries so far. And so I'm collecting them as souvenirs and I can like zap back to this experience and yeah. Have so, you talked about all your tattoos on air and the podcast? Not, uh, only a handful of them get brought up, kind of, kind of the ones that are visible, but I'm like tattooed everywhere. Is there one, any other stories you have not shared that you want to share on air? I've shared all the ones that are visible <laughs> for the most part, but I'll pick one and, and share it with you. So this one, for instance, Two Wolves. There's a poem and it kind of goes like this. An elder Cherokee is talking to his grandson, and he says, grandson, but there's a battle going on, on in all of us between two wolves. One represents kindness, forgiveness, tenderness, all the positive things in life, altruism, gratitude. The other represents all the negative things in life, evil, greed, envy. And so the kid looks up and he says, well, which one wins the battle? And he says, the one you feed. And so I love that poem because it just reinforces positive thoughts. We were talking about optimism before. And so this is a, a daily reminder for optimism. But I also got it tattooed in Lisbon, Portugal, and the national animal of Portugal is the wolf. And so it's like, you know, I, I try to find these opportunities yeah. to get tattoos that are meaningful, that reinforce positive behavior, but are also souvenirs. So Dude, hell yeah. Yeah. But I want to get tattooed for asking. Yeah, man, you don't have cool. any? Not yet. My goal is eighty. Once I'm 80, just full. Until 80, I'm like, I'm, I don't have anything I, I want in my body full time. Yeah. But 80, I'm going to have probably I'll get mashing. Do you have tattoos? <laughs> yeah, get this one, please. <laughs> I have zero. Man. Derek, you have, you have you a couple. You have a when I go to 18? Yeah, so, but tattoos are kind of like starting a business. There's a lot that you learn when you permanently ink yourself, and then you go, what the heck did I just do? You know, but then you choose to start more businesses or get more tattoos and yeah, life's good. I think one of the big things that I've worked on and I think literally every person out there can work on is just being nice to ourselves about these experiences and not having so much judgment around our behavior. Like, oh, I'm guilty for this or I'm bad about this. It's just like, hey man, I'm at least trying. I'm at least, putting, I'm at least in the arena, which I think you know is kind of a common thing today, which is like, at least I'm in the arena. And I had an experience last week where I, I was thinking, there, I was, there's been two days. One day I was outside and it started raining and I was bicycling. I was like, well, fuck it. I'm already outside bicycling. I'm just going to keep riding. Versus another day I was inside and it's raining. I'm like, I'm not going to go out. Yeah. And I think that was just a good uh, thing for me with life is like, at least get out there. At least get going. And sometimes it's like, mm -hmm. it's going to rain. You're like, well, I'm out here already. At least I'm going to keep going. And eventually you'll, you get home and you're like, damn, I'm really proud of myself. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. All right. We'll start to wrap up here. There's a, a question that... I've, I've just started asking people and I, and I find it really interesting. What is the book that you've gifted the most over the last couple of years? Number one book for me would be Donald Miller, Million Miles in a Thousand Years. So someone asked me a different question uh, around like what book would I teach at, at college? And I think what I like to think about is like what are the fundamentals? 
And so I think that book or uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is a fundamental book. And so I've read that book. I think that's a, an interesting way of thinking about it too. Is like, we always are looking for the next thing. Like what's the next book that'll finally teach me that one thing? And what's the next video or the next tweet or the next Instagram, the next TikTok? And most of them just aren't true or you can't, they're, they're full of shit. They don't actually know anything. And yeah. what I really appreciated uh, about Donald's book was just more his, his message is how do you live an interesting life? Mm. And that book I've just bought for so many different people because it's, it's not as common and I like books that maybe aren't as, um, aren't as popular. So I think that's also how you get an edge to some extent. And with his book, it was more about how are you doing interesting things, doing interesting work and doing it with interesting people. And, yeah. he, and he tells it through his own experience of being basically a degenerate loser and like how he went and biked across America. Hmm. And how he changed, and he really wanted this woman. And so he finally, she, even though she's in a relationship, he's like, I know you're in a relationship, but if you ever have a chance to meet, I want to do it. And I know we've all felt that. We've all wanted that chance. We've all wanted to like take the step. And I think his story is, is it's a story, which I think people digest better. You've read so many books, you know that the stories are remembered. Mm -hmm. And so his story is easy to remember, and it inspired me to bike across America. And I just love sharing that book. And it's, you know, it's just got a positive message. Have you read Die With Zero by Bill Perkins? Yeah. He's in Austin as yeah. well. I, yeah, phenomenal. similar kind of message, just like live through experience and, and go do the thing. But it's also different when you're parting with Dan Blazarian, I would say, like his stuff. It is. <laughs> I think his book is good as well. And then a similar vein that inspired me a few years ago when COVID hit and my, I, I created Dreamlist and it's something I, I break down in the book, but one of my goals that I still have this year is to spend all the money I make or give it away. Hmm. And there's a little bit of Bill Perkins and a little bit of just not enjoying the money we make and not enjoying the life we make. And so it's definitely changed my behavior about like, okay, I'm just gonna buy that thing. All right, I actually have two, those $50,000 bikes, I have two of them, just so that I don't have to travel with one of them. And it's more of like, let me either spend it or let me go donate it or buy for people other things. Yeah, it's funny, because we were talking about does money buy happiness. Uh, Dan's been on this podcast before and he says no. He, he built a life where money no longer brought him happiness. In fact, I mean, there was nothing that could essentially bring him happiness. And it was a really depressing thing to hear from somebody who has it all, right? But he has nothing, essentially, because none of it brings any joy to him anymore. And that's kind of a sad place to be. So I think what you're talking about is, you know, purchase things that bring you energy and forget things that take your energy away. And a lot of people, as they make money, they're not conscious of that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about Dan. I haven't interacted with him as much. I think what's been interesting about doing so many YouTube videos, similar to you, as, as we're chatting with so many different people, is who are we envious of? Like, who is the person that you're like, okay, yeah, there's something clearly happening different here. And I interviewed John Paul DeJoria, founder of Patron Tequila, Paul Mitchell Hair Care. And there was two things that really stood out for me. And the first one really changed how I approach life. And it was kindness. He's just really kind to other people. He's genuinely kind. It's not some bullshit like, I'm kind, but not really. Like he's trying to get, he's like, no, I'm, he got, he sold Patron for 3.5 billion. And I think he donated a billion or some ungodly number. And he's just genuinely a kind person. And we came to his house. He fed us scones. So yeah. you're saying it's nicer than Todd Massachusetts? <laughs> no, I'm dude. Todd, no. <laughs> I watched your clips with him, by the way. It was a great interview. He was, he's yeah. fire, man. He's just a kind person. And, uh, no, Tom's like number one Airbnb in America, isn't it? Where people are coming here? It's a big rental market. <laughs> <laughs> I never knock people's cities. Another story about that for another time. But the second thing for him is that he's actually 
uh, in terms of what I admired about him is he's actually similar to you. He's a salesman. But what stood out for me with him, which I admired and it really took away from me, is that he's selling what he believes. Mm -hmm. And I think when we think of selling our video skills or music production, or if it's cooking or if it's writing, whatever it is, we're like, I don't want to bug them. It's not bugging if you believe it'll really help. Yeah. And so for him, he's like, this hair care product is literally the best ever. And I am excited to go tell people. And for Trump Tequila, he's like, there is nothing else better than this in the market. And what we miss out is that for you, Nick, with book thinkers, people don't realize maybe it was seven years to get to here, but you believed and you kept going. And there's things that I, I recommend in the book for people to keep going that can help them. But what he did was like, like for two years, Patron Tequila didn't actually sell well. Oh yeah. Did not sell well. And that's something we all miss out on. We're like, of course, Derek sold his company and, and did really well. But it's like, okay, you're missing the time that he just believed and kept going. And he found that. And I, and I really admire that he found products he really liked and he stuck with selling and believing and educating people on things that he was like, yeah, this is an amazing product. Yeah, I love that. Well, that's like a mic drop moment, but we'll do two more quick things. First, if somebody's this far into the interview and they still haven't decided if they'd like to pre-order or purchase a copy of this book, if it's if it's live, like whenever we're putting this out, yeah. what's the final message to them? Like who is the target user and for this book? The target user, because they're going to apply the book. Yeah. Not reader, user. And like what's the expected outcome if they choose to read this? Okay. What I'd recommend is that go get the things for free at, at milliondollarweekend.com slash bookthinkers. Free resources based on things that are already gonna be in the book. Just go there for free. Just go to milliondollarweekend.com slash bookthinkers and you can have the resources that you need. There's gonna be more help that's gonna be in the book that you'll need support on, but it'll at least give you some of the, the basics. Who I think the book is for is two, twofold. It's someone who's tried and it hasn't worked, which is most people. It's like, I built the app, I spent the money, I wanna be a videographer, I wanna be a freelancer, and it hasn't worked yet. Mm -hmm. Maybe I've watched, I've watched enough YouTube videos and I'm still not a millionaire. And so it's someone who's tried at least something, they're willing to do the work, and it hasn't happened yet, and I can help them. Mm -hmm. I would say the second person is that if it's someone who's like, hey, I just have a dream and I don't really know where to go. Like, I'm not really sure. I think I'd like to do this entrepreneurship. I, I would say that my book to me is like, okay, there's Tim's book and my book are like the Bibles for entrepreneurship. And that to me would be an honor uh, that people ultimately, as you said with Tim and your inspiration is that people read the book and then seven years later, multi-million dollar business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think it's a great answer. All right, final question. Everything disappears. Your book, your YouTube, all of your interviews, they're gone. And you can leave the world with one message. And it's not the kindness, because you've hammered that home, and, and I believe in that, but that can't be the final one, so we need something different. Really? What's the message that you'd like to leave everybody? Dude. You could throw it on a billboard, you could just say Dude. it now. Go Pats. Go Pats. Dude, that's it, day one, go Pats, <laughs> build a check for life. Build a check yeah. for life. <laughs> let, me, let me only push back a little bit on, on that question in a good way, is that I think in my 20-year-old Noah, I was always looking for something new. Mm -hmm. And I always thought my next thing was finally gonna make me feel good. I thought if I got to a million dollars and I told my dad, he would be like, you know, good job. And I'd be like, oh, it's finally, like I can feel good about myself. Yeah. And it never did. Even when I made my first million, it was a 30. And I was actually doing basic work. And I, and I have that in the resource section, uh, milliondollarweekend.com slash bookthinkers. And the reality was is that sometimes it's not about the new thing, it's about the consistent thing. And so what I would encourage anyone to do is that how can you think about longevity and consistency and sustainability? 
more than just trying to go out and do a bunch of new things all the time. And I think that that is a thing that has made me more happy, more rich, successful, and at peace than ever before, because I'm not always trying to chase and find new things to go do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Yeah, one of my favorite books is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, and it just mm. teaches small steps in the right direction over a long period of time. That's the goal. Like, love that process, and the rest will happen later on down the road. Yes, but, but that's so hard. Uh, that's so hard. No, 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 because everyone knows the things to do, but they still don't do it somehow. Everyone has heard the things to do for business, but they still don't have the business. So what's the disconnect? Because even in, in our company, we've, I think we're exceptional at this. And I've seen that's why we've been able to grow so well. And it, even us, it's like, everyone knows to say and keep doing the boring things, and that's how you get rich, but people get distracted. And what do, you, what do you think the reason is? Why do you think people don't keep doing that? You know, I think the world has moved to a place of instant gratification and, and where it's, it's harder and harder to delay gratification. Uh, so I think, you know, there's so many things sucking our attention. Everything's new and sexy and different and novel, and we desire that. I think a lot of us are curious, and so we fall out of the routine. It's one of my guesses. I'd have to think about that more. Yeah. What's your answer? My reality is that sexy is winning. And winning is what's working. And what's working is doing more of what's already working. And what you have to do is be very clear on what your dream is. And if you be clear on your dream, then you create a plan, and then you execute the plan, that's how it works. And so for me, over time, it's just been focusing more on that. And, and every time it's like thinking the next thing is gonna be the easier one, it never is. Mm. And so I, I would say it's experience of doing this for so long and knowing that finally, like, if you have something working, if you have a relationship like your wife that's working, all right, let's just keep going deeper with that. If you have a business that's working, let's go deeper with that. That's such a, that's an easy metaphor to compare it to, right? Because in a relationship, you're like, that. yeah, that makes so much sense, just go deeper. Like, but oh. with, with a business, I think the, like, the normal thought process is different than that, but it should be more like a relationship. That's cool, I like that. It's a good place to end. For people that want to learn more, you've already given the uh, slash book thinkers, but where should people go? What are your social media handles? Give us everything. I'll get, this is from Zig Ziglar, old school sales things. I will tell you, when you're talking about anything in a sales thing and you want people to remember it, you just say it seven times. So mm. milliondollarweekend.com slash book thinkers. Repetition leads to retention. Yep. Dude, <laughs> got to check out book thinkers. Yeah, milliondollarweekend.com slash book thinkers. All the resources and things we've talked about, how I make my income and things like that, which people would be curious about, uh, they can go to that website. Cool, man. Thank you. That is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Book Thinkers, Life-Changing Books. It would mean the world to us if you could write a review and share this episode with a few of your friends. I mean, these books truly have the power to change people's lives. And by reviewing or sharing our podcast, you're helping us make an impact. If you have any recommendations for future guests or any constructive feedback for us on how we can improve our show, please feel free to submit a form on our website, www.bookthinkers.com, or send us a direct message on Instagram at bookthinkers. With that, I am signing off, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Don't forget, go read something.